Welcome to the Thanks Therapy podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Hannah Lydon. And I am Dr. Emma Lydon, and this is our therapy appreciation podcast, Thanks Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. And this week, Hannah, we are talking about the pitfalls of the self improvement movement. Jingle? Jingle time! Thanks Therapy! I think it's funny how we insist on recording that every time. Well, it, I don't intro. want people to get bored. I know. I mean, what would happen if we one week didn't say that this is our therapy appreciation podcast, blah, 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 blah. I am doctor. I what would people know, do? I, well, I wouldn't be able to continue the podcast. I would have to say it before I, I could say anything else. I think it's fine. I really like that about podcasts when they have a thing that they say at the start. It makes me happy. And need, comforted. Yeah, me too. Need bookends. Yes. So we have um, had an unintended break once again, Hannah. Yeah. You um, got COVID. Yes. First. Mm-hmm. It was bad. It was horrible. And then you recovered from COVID. There was a t- period where we were doing normal life. Mm-hmm. And then I got COVID. Yeah. In quite a serious way. And I am still ill. Yeah, well, so what happened to both of us again, really weirdly. So I got COVID. If you've got, if you get COVID, count yourself out for two full weeks. Forget about this five days, 10 days nonsense. Big time. Count yourself out for two full weeks. And then um, I got what I've been referring to as dessert COVID. <laughs> and what that was, was a separate illness. It wasn't COVID, it was unrelated, but it was almost as bad. So yeah. I got a really severely sore throat. The kids brought it home um, and Marty didn't get the sore throat, but he got a stomach bug. Okay. Yeah. So we had dessert COVID. We had um, a third course of the illness. Well, that's exactly what I'm experiencing currently. Yeah. Um, And I have been very miserable. It's also very like socially embarrassing because you're like coughing Mm. and sneezing and then people are looking at you like um Mm -hmm. excuse me pandemic and you have to be like i've just had covid ha 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 and do a whole i don't have covid now (laughs) i don't have covid now i'm actually the safest i've been and it's (laughs) so annoying and i just hear myself say it every day and work and stuff and i'm like oh my god shut up so that's why we've been away Mm -hmm. we've been dealing with covid and post-covid complications and also um I've been slightly mental. Don't know mm. if you've noticed, Emma. Well, I was deeply mental during COVID. <laughs> yes. And the other thing that I would say to people is um, to be aware that there is, I do feel that there's a mental component to COVID. Yeah. Everybody that I've spoken to has had at least a couple of days of quite dark thoughts and mm-hmm. unpleasantness. Um, I warned Hannah about it at the start because I was like, holy moly, I had two <laughs> days of just being like, everything's pointless and, you know, really very unhappy. And then it did start to clear. And as the kind of, it's one of those scenarios where as the 
darkness lifts, you start to go, that might have been Maybe that totally was contextual. That might have been a symptom. Yeah. yeah. So I would warn people, if you've managed to escape it thus far, congratulations. We thought we were doing good two years down the line. Almost to the day we we managed to finally get it. Yeah, right enough. But then everybody else did as well. Well, I had it once before, but I had oh, a great right, time that time. Yes, you had a nice asymptomatic one. It was party time. Yeah. This was not party time. No. So we apologise for our absence, but it seems in our absence, some you know new people have found us. There seems to be a bit of a um, an upsurge in listens to the old Thanks Therapy pod. And we welcome our new listeners. If you've binged this far and you're like, what's happened with the new episode? <laughs> here it is. And thank you. And thank you for joining us. And so while we have you here, <laughs> I want to <laughs> I'll just remind you about our um, Buy Me A Coffee page. Some people have been really generous and bought us coffees. We are about a third of the way to our total, I think. That's lethal. I know. It's really good. So our total, our first total is set based on the fact that we want to get some promo pictures done and we want to start developing our website. And so we're, yeah, we're doing pretty good with that target. So I'm very happy with that. That's very nice. You're all very kind. So, Hannah, as we have discussed before, we asked before Christmas for suggestions on what our listeners wanted us to cover in the episodes. Mm, mm -hmm. Several brilliant suggestions came in. They were all really good. And one was the pitfalls of the self-improvement movement, which I like as much for how it feels (laughs) rolling off the tongue as I'm interested in the subject matter. So the self-help industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and it fills bookstores and conference rooms and stadiums even. And presumably it has led to improvements in people's lives. But when we say self-help or self-improvement, I think most people think of it as a negative thing. And what I mean by that is they think of unregulated people giving you advice, which maybe doesn't have the backing of, say, scientific research or medicine or something, and therefore is either a waste of money or a quick fix. Mm -hmm. The thing is, though, as as I've looked into this, it's actually an extremely broad area. So I actually got in touch with the listener who had suggested this. Um, He's an artist by the name of Barry Murphy, and he had sent us in this suggestion via Instagram And I asked him if he wouldn't mind elaborating on what he meant by the self-improvement movement because it's a huge area that encompasses a lot of stuff from self-help books to (coughs) podcasts. Oh, podcasts. To actual evidence-based programs that you follow independently. So this is what he said. Firstly, when I talk about the self-help slash improvement area, I mean the whole genre, really. Books, podcasts, Instagram gurus, etc., It has become such a huge industry over the last few years and I think it deserves closer scrutiny and I think it's great you'll look at the potential pitfalls of it. One of the main problems I have is that the majority of these books and gurus etc are often incredibly reductive and fail completely to take into account an individual's background and many other legitimate factors that impact our mental well-being and situation in life. The second big problem for me is that there's no collaborative element to it, which for me is vital in mental health support. Mm. Delving into these areas on your own as someone who's struggling is maybe not the best idea and it wouldn't hurt people to be more mindful of that, I feel. 
It's hard not to read the body keeps the score and not come away convinced you have CPTSD. It's hard not to follow the holistic psychologist and not convince yourself your childhood trauma is what's holding you back and writing letters to your younger self will sort you out. (laughs) That's not even a criticism of that book or Instagram. I just feel one of the main problems with these things is is that there's no aftercare nor even health slash clinical care at all. Barry, preach. Yeah, so Barry is definitely preaching into the choir in my case in our case, when it comes to the issue of engaging in self-help without the guidance of a professional. And in my opinion, you can actually only get so far with that. And sometimes that isn't very far at all. Yes. Every person who ever engages or embarks upon a journey of like self-discovery and self-improvement is always going to come to a point where they're like, I need somebody else involved, Mm -hmm. even just in the room, physically or spiritually. Absolutely. Because, you know... We are not islands. Barry, thank you so much if you're listening to this. We really appreciate you taking the time to give us that detailed feedback. It was very useful. Can we say Barry's Instagram handle? So yes. people can Do you know look it? at his art. I think it's Basil Brushed, ah, which yes. is funny and clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Barry, this episode is dedicated to you. <laughs> um, everyone can go and follow his Instagram by his artworks. Yeah. I completely agree with you in regards to accounts like the Holistic Psychologist. I think there's been a movement in in recent years for practitioners to start branding themselves as like online gurus or leaders in a way which is worth casting a critical eye over. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And then, of course, as I think Barry is articulating there, there was always a counterwave to those movements in which people go, hang on, we can't all be suffering from repressed childhood trauma. (laughs) How is that possible? So I think it's worth not just following his accounts blindly without checking credentials, assessing each time what you read one of those posts. Does this really work for me? Does this apply to me? Does this do anything for me? Or I'm just looking to have my accountability eased in some way because I think that is a danger. Mm. Um, I've definitely noticed, because I follow all those accounts, so I've definitely noticed in the past that while I enjoy that content, I would always be wary of recommending them as a solution for a friend who's in like dire need oh definitely yeah um it's kind of good to view them as some sort of litmus test or launch pad launch launch pad <laughs> for investigating whether or not you'd like to dive deeper into that kind of work or if learning more about some areas of psychology is enough to enrich your life and you don't go any deeper than that but that is all all for the viewer or the consumer to kind of gauge for themselves yeah and like you say if you are in like the peak of crisis, those things are not necessarily going to be like possible or feasible for you and you might end up becoming, I don't know, untethered. Yes. Which that seems like a risk. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk more about that. Um, And I also don't want to be that we are tarring all of these, everything with the same brush. You know, I think that there are science communicators and there are psychology communicators who are trying to do a lot of work in terms of destigmatizing stuff and provide better access. Um, the account that I was thinking about was um, the Psychology Mum. So I don't know that one. So the Psychology Mum um, is brilliant. She does like she combines um, cartoons, like illustrations, with you know messages about mental health and things like that. I actually have her calendar. Oh, cool! So she made a calendar, and all of the money went to to Mental Health Aberdeen. Nice. So um, that was a good cause and a really nice calendar that had some, you know, nice messages. Like, for example, the New Year's message was um, new you, like be more this, do do less that, become a better person. And the big X through it. And then 
same you as you are quite all right as you are just learning to like yourself more, be kinder to yourself and appreciate your achievements. And it's a cool little brain cartoon for that. So she's worth checking out. So I don't want to tar everybody with the same brush, but um, I also, you know, want to acknowledge that people should be careful with Mm -hmm. with what they're accessing and, and what people are providing out there. Barry mentioned The Body Keeps the Score, Hannah, which I know is one of your favourites. Would you recommend many books from the self-help section of the bookshop? Mm, Funny you should ask. Some books that I've read and find really useful are one which are like specific to my general brand of sad stuff that I enjoy, (laughs) which is targeted towards those who've grown up with an alcoholic parent. Mm -hmm. One of which is is a classic and widely known and recommended because it's class. Mm -hmm. Healing the Shame That Binds You by John Bradshaw. Still haven't read that yet. I mean, it's like, you know, Help Yourself 101. Yeah. No, I think it's a really brilliant book. Again, not a fun, sexy read. Sure. Um, but probably really good for anyone who wants to like take their shit quite seriously and feels ready to read that kind of content. Yeah. I did it in, you know, stages. I didn't like dive in all at once because it's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. He does a really good job of explaining a lot of the language used around shame yeah. and making it accessible to work with shame which was ideal for me because I find working with shame in therapy to be really daunting. Mm -hmm. And that is the very nature of shame. Yeah, shame, shame, know your name. Know your name. That, and I also really liked what I read of Philippa Perry's book, the book you wish your parents had read, Mm -hmm. although I haven't finished it. Emma, I'm about to include a caveat here. Okay. Can you guess what it is? You love doing that. I love a caveat. My caveat, as I repeat a lot on this podcast, Uh is that I am only able now, after a lot of therapy, to engage with these materials safely and confidently because I have done basic safety work in therapy yes. to make me feel not scared to do that stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of this of the self-help movement stuff when it comes to books, maybe people don't, it doesn't, it's not advertised ahead of buying the book mm-hmm. that this stuff might be great for you and it might help you understand yourself. But also if you're feeling vulnerable you have a lot of emotional stuff going on. If you're in a place of fragility, mm-hmm. this might make you feel really scared, overwhelmed. A lot of the information might just make you feel like you have even more work to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. So proceed with caution. Um, That was my initial experience way back when I was a young person trying to quote unquote fix myself. Mm-hmm. And I totally freaked myself out because I identified with what was being described in those books about depression or anxiety, but I felt totally powerless reading them because I didn't have the basis of like support or safety in order to make the advice contained in those books useful. Yes. So I actually felt even worse. Yeah. That is major caveat time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's such a good point. Just on the subject of shame and books, um, because I want to talk more about the safety aspect that you've raised there, but um, Daring Greatly, by Brandy Brown is is one of those books that I have read, which is self-help in a very gentle way. Mm. Uh, I was put onto it by a friend of mine, um, Ashley, and the central concept is that embracing vulnerability and imperfection is necessary for achieving like real engagement and social connection. Mm-hmm. So she's a shame-based researcher. That's what the connection is. Okay. And I was when you were talking about shame, I was thinking we have shame back in the podcast room again. <laughs> Um, so I have a feeling we will be returning to Brownie Brown when we finally get up the courage to do an episode about shame. Scary. Or the vulnerability to talk about shame, I it's should very, say. It's a very daunting topic. 
And I think vulnerability is needed in order to be radically authentic, which is something else we aim to do here at Thanks Therapy. And what I liked about this book, actually, is that it gave me an insight that I didn't have before and an insight about the necessity of vulnerability, something that probably no one is any good at. Um, And therefore, I had an experience reading it of having learned something, having had a kind of epiphany type moment, which is always enjoyable. And I think that that is one of those things that people get into these self-help books for. That's what draws people into a lot of these books. They feel like they've gained understanding. They've had this epiphany type moment and that reduces their uncertainty and therefore their anxiety. So it increases their sense of, I understand something about the world and myself, mm-hmm. which is very reassuring thing. So I think that's one of the draws of those type of books, like books like The Secret and, you know, really old school books, how to be more confident when talking to people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think people read them and had this moment where somebody told them something that they went, oh, and they came away yeah. feeling quite satisfied with that experience. That's interesting. Mm. I never thought about that before. But again, I think that this is a privilege of the unburdened to be able to engage with these books. So on the issue of safety, mm-hmm. which you have made a very good point, um, it may be unsafe to address the issues you have without the support of a qualified professional, which brings me to one of the things that I think makes us feel so uncomfortable about the self-help industry and that that is that it's unregulated. Yeah. So in psychology and counselling therapy, currently there's a lot of controversy around the issue of regulation because it isn't always seen as being delivered fairly. However, the point of regulation is to stop people being able to make false claims or carry out unwarranted interventions and potentially cause damage to people. That seems super sensible. It seems important, to doesn't those it? Things, yeah. yeah. I mean, the main thing is to not cause any further damage to somebody. And I think that's the problem with the self-help industry is that yeah. there's a potential for harm. There really is, you know, so people are very cautious about it, rightly so. And a lot of people are very sceptical about it, rightly so. Um, but the number one problem for me with the self-help industry is that it reinforces feelings of inferiority and, and shame So two types of people, I think, generally seek out self-help. Those who think there is something fundamentally wrong with them, so they need fixed, they're looking for a solution. And those who think they're generally okay and are seeking to be great. So the latter, no problem. Have at it. Literally try to self-improve yourself as much as you want. I don't know that many of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Probably don't sink too much money into it without some serious consideration. But as for the former group, this is my concern that self-help plays into this idea that there's something wrong, you know, something lacking or broken about a person. Mm -hmm. And if a person is feeling like that, my view is that they should seek out some really good therapy. I know we're doing that thing again, but that's the exact time when you should do it. If you're feeling that bad about yourself, um, that you think you're broken in some way, it's important to find out the source of that and improve it, you know. For people that think there's something wrong with them, I think the self-help industry actually sets them up to fail. Mm -hmm. So take an example of a classic self-help book concept, self-confidence, right? So a person who's feeling worthless and lacking in confidence, they buy this book and they read it and they try to apply the principles. And I would say for 90% of people, it doesn't work. They can't apply the principles because the underlying cause of their feelings about themselves and their lack of confidence hasn't been addressed. Yeah. So it sets them up to fail. The call's coming from inside the house. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's so, always freaked me out so much, Hannah. Sorry, really? Yeah, the Does calls coming from it. That's yeah, the classic. It's meant to freak you out. I know. It is so interesting that you say that because that is how I felt when I first bought and read The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. Because I had seen it recommended and it, I think it's it looked like the kind of thing that I could gently make use of as, alongside therapy and it was going to act like a supplementary resource to therapy. Mm-hmm. And instead what happened was I found it quite upsetting mm. that I didn't know what to do with the information in it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the branding around it was maybe misleading. Yeah. Um, I do love it now, that book, but I am sometimes wary of recommending it to everyone because it's become really popular in the past few years. Yeah. Amongst women my age to the point where it's become like trendy. Mm. I can think of specific pages of that book that I found really difficult to read because they were very upsetting. Yeah. And there's definitely content in there which is like serious. It's written from a clinician's perspective. I think the branding of it has weirdly made it seem a little bit like a holiday read. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that because I just, I always thought of it as this is a fun time read about things and And issues and stuff. The title is like, kind of poetic and about the body maybe this is going to be uplifting that's what you you assume it's going to be uplifting it's going to be some eat pray love thing it's Mm -hmm. it's really not there's also the covers like a gorgeous Matisse painting Mm -hmm. but actually there's some parts of that book which are harrowing yeah Um, Emma yes I'm worried that we're doing the thing that we always do where we just end up saying go to therapy I know so I mean sorry guys but we're not saying that necessarily we're just saying you know, don't be aghast mm-hmm. and beat yourself up if, if you read The Body Keeps the Score and you don't feel miraculously fixed. Yeah. Because that is really unrealistic expectation to put up on yourself. Mm-hmm. But the message here, I think, and maybe what Barry was articulating as well, is along the lines of like, dip your toe by all means, but don't be surprised when reading one self-help book doesn't magically turn you into like a mega confident, trauma-free, super business negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> Firstly, because that's super unrealistic goal. Mm-hmm. And also because I think anyone picking up a self-help book should pay attention to any expectation they're putting on themselves and to any potential rampant inner critic activity that might arise during the reading of the book itself. Yes. Does any of that make sense, Emma? Absolutely makes all of the sense. Thank you. Um, I think that my... I'm ranking all my problems as you're talking. I'm thinking of the problems that I have with self-help, not my personal oh, right, problems. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> the hey, problems whoa, I have with that's self-help. not in our ethos to rank one's problems. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing that publicly at the no. moment, but maybe one day. No, my number two problem, which is linked to the first one actually about the self-help industry, is that it's focusing on the wrong problem. So you pick up a book about how to be more assertive in business or have a great relationship or be happy or be happy and Mm -hmm. the problem is that the lack of assertiveness in the office or the constant failed relationships are not really a problem they're not really the problem they're a symptom of the problem Mm, okay so the real problem is like to be likely to be an underlying thing like you know childhood wounds as we like to refer to um, on the podcast here and those things genuinely will not be fixed by a book or an app or a series of youtube videos Mm -hmm. um and I suppose another issue which again is linked is the, is the scientific validity or the evidence base of many of the claims made by the self-help books and gurus. So if it says on the front, fix your self-confidence problem, I would be questioning the, you know, yeah. the veracity of that claim for sure. Give that a wide berth. Mm. 
Um, I think my scepticism regarding apps is well documented on this podcast. Yes, we had one episode that we nearly got sued about, but yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, I also think what you're getting towards there is that weirdly there's a sense of like potential isolation of the person engaging with these materials. Yeah. And if things go awry, they can suddenly feel desperately alone. Mm. And it's hard not to internalise that as like, People seem to find that app really helpful, but it, it doesn't work well for me. I I must be really stupid or or crap or, um, you know, broken mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it right. Um, and I think the reason I'm so wary of those ways of engaging with those like solo self help resources is because there isn't the same stability of relationship within the dynamic as there is between client and therapist, mm-hmm. which is what we always bang on about on this podcast. Yeah, it's about the, the relationship. The relationship. Yeah. So like you say, if someone um, downloads a meditation app thinking that they just need help relaxing and then finds that they feel much worse after engaging with it, there's no professional beside them mm-hmm. along the way guiding them and identifying where there might be other issues or things to be taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's quite an extreme example. For most of the population who engage with those things, that will not be the case, but it is, it's worth thinking about that it, that is a risk. That's, yeah. That was my experience and I definitely had the experience of being like, well, I'm just the one person for whom this app is, is makes them feel terrible, and mm-hmm. that's because I'm special category of mental. And actually, that's not true. I'm just <laughs> no a normal amount of mental. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, I think that's back to the issue of safety again. And I think any therapist will tell you that providing a safe space is paramount. And like, just to clarify on that concept, the therapist is providing the safe space they're actively doing that it's not just the room like when we say yeah oh, I hit the mic um hit the mic when we say Sorry. safe space we don't literally mean just like a closed therapy room that no, no. you know <laughs> is comfortable and there's no baddies can get in or whatever <laughs> that's good as well <laughs> it's literally provided by the skills of the therapist um by certain principles that they uphold like confidentiality and stuff like that but also because they are like a guide they're there to be a guide for you as you traverse difficult things so that they can stop you when you need to stop and you know guide you push you on maybe or change direction when you need to change direction and the apps just can't do that they're very static yeah um i have actually been working on material for the course that i'm teaching which is um relevant to what you're saying about apps and engaging in content in isolation so I didn't realise that the range, there's about 800 plus mental health apps in existence. And not all of them are just like, here is some static content that you can read through or a little game you can play or a breathing exercise or something like that. Mm -hmm. There's a range of them and they're categorised as either self-guided or partially self-guided with connection with a professional so the connect, connection can either be only if it's required or it can be that there's there's actually a professional connected to your use of your engagement with this particular thing. Nice. Usually they're smaller apps that are run by, say, a particular trust or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I hadn't realised that they're not entirely self-directed all the time. And so what they're talking about with regards to, to the range of... Um, which call, it can be called all different things like e-mental health or digital technology mental health or telehealth, or telehealth yeah. all that kind of stuff um, is that there is an actual part of self-help which is in the professional mental health sphere 
And some of it's like uh, psychoeducation, but some of it, a lot of it has been designed by psychologists and psychiatrists um, and researchers. But just to return to a previous point, I think one of the problems is that people that people have with self-help and that I certainly have with self-help is that anyone can go out and set themselves up as having the answer. Sure, and, yeah. And those that do are nearly more likely to be problematic than those that don't. So those that are going out saying, I have the answer to all your problems. I think that they haven't really considered like the complexity of the problem. The solution is unlikely to be neatly tied up in a package or 10 chapters or one Instagram channel, you know. Yeah, for real. Um, They're missing, I think, some of the part of the complexity of the issues. And I would argue that they're also not accepting that a lot of those struggles are a normal part of life rather than something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, like eradicated. Yes. That's not realistic. No. But... I think we should be careful about tarring everything that isn't qualified mental health support with a negative brush because we also have an access problem and some of these things we have discussed are bound to be helpful and, you know, we have to hope and I wouldn't want to discourage anyone from trying to be, you know, access self-improvement as long as they remember that they are perfectly acceptable to begin with. Yes. You know, as a person. Yeah. And beware of people who make it look like they have the answer to everything because I can guarantee they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a little bit of history about the self-improvement movement yes. by Googling self-improvement movement. Because <laughs> I thought whenever Barry first wrote in, I was I thought, what does he mean by that? I wonder, does mm-hmm. he mean specifically books? Does he mean, you know, Instagram gurus? What does he mean specifically? And in fact, he meant a whole range of things, which Everything. was really, you know, all encompassing and really good. But whenever I looked into the history of the self-improvement movement, it didn't start out with books. So it started actually with the development of a philosophy and groups based on this philosophy, whereby individuals who shared similar problems or situations worked together to understand and or improve their situations. So it was member owned and operated groups that would offer participants experiential knowledge, information, education and emotional support. And the leadership came from the group's members rather than a qualified individual who, you know, a professional, whatever, who led the group. Mm-hmm. Memberships usually free or nominal fee or something like that. So groups like this still do exist. We have groups for depression support, for example, um, that operate here and they don't rely on a professional leader. But they usually have a volunteer leader who's trained in some way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we would we would ever really now see those things as self-help. Yeah. Like if you said, I'm going to a depression support group, you wouldn't really see that as self-help because it's so collective Yeah, when you think about You'd it. You'd think of that as more like community support or... Yeah, group support, um, group I would support. think of that as. Yeah, but that is self-help. That very active going is like a self-advocation thing. Yeah, so that's where it originated. technically is self-help. It actually began with the establishment of Alcoholics Anonymous in 1935. And in terms of treating alcoholics, the group's accomplishments far exceeded those of the medical profession. Um, Although the success of AA was impressive, other groups didn't develop in in abundance until after World War II. But it's, you know, that's where it all got its start. That is... not interesting? It is very interesting. I am impressed Mm. about that. That I didn't know that that is like the sort of origin of it. That's the origin of that. Yeah. And also, I didn't know it'd been running since 1935. That's yeah, pretty staggering. I know. Um, 
that is so significant that it's like a a group thing mm-hmm. and that's the whole that's my beef with apps is that you are alone you when have, you're engaging yeah. with them and the antidote to shame is connection yes and that's what we need whenever we are having such a rough time of it. She's floating away in her seat. Because you always just get to the core of the thing. <laughs> you know, the the whole issue that we have with self-help now, the suspicion that people have is that how is a, me reading a book, crying at home in my room mm-hmm. or going on an app, how is that really supposed to help? And the origin of this self-improvement movement was never you supposed to be alone in a room yeah. reading a book and expect Shut to understand. yourself away yeah. and fix your problems. <laughs> Pull those socks up. And there may be a larger societal issue about the individualization of uh, our um, culture. Well, that's very interesting. Um, yes, so I love the way you get to the, you know, the central core of the thing. You're just so smart, Hannah. You're just so smart and sensitive and your brain you. works really well despite COVID because I, my brain's still trying to recover from the old COVID brain. Mm, I struggle. <sighs> There's holes in there. Oh, it's bad. What is it doing? We're going about with its wee spike proteins in your brain? Spiking away, Swiss cheese brain. Yeah, it's not well, rude. that's my thoughts on... Alcoholics Anonymous, because I used to go to Al-Anon uh-huh. and I've, I've gone sort of on and off since I were a teen. Mm-hmm. And I have never really, you're supposed to go, you know, round the circle and mm-hmm. it's like you're talking about volunteer led and mm-hmm. um, it really depends on the mix of people. But the central kind of what I used to get from going there mm-hmm. was being like, if, if nothing else, like even some of the literature can be a bit alienating Mm -hmm. Um, you have to kind of wrestle with the higher power concept I know that puts a lot of people off Mm -hmm. Um, and it did put me off initially until I just decided my higher power was like being chill Mm -hmm. and having mates I was like it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that like Mm. it doesn't have to be a spiritual entity Um, but the if nothing else you go and you're in a room for like two hours with people who have had the exact same difficult situation yeah. that you have had. Yeah. So you don't need to do any explaining. Mm-hmm. You turn up and you're like, you fucking know why I'm here. I know yeah. why you're here. Let's, you know, let's stare at each other in a room. And that is, I think there is more to that than just like, oh, it's good because everybody knows, you know, what the experience is. I think there's like quite a significant um amount of healing mm-hmm. that happens just from that very basis of Absolutely. connection. Yeah. Because the experience of say say if it was um um like a group a support group for depressed people, the experience of being wildly depressed is isolating. Yeah. And you feel like the only person in the world yeah. who's having that. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel like just like a big bag of shit. Yes. And then you go and you say like, oh well all these other people have this and they don't strike me as big bags of shit, so maybe mm. I'm not a big bag of shit. And that, you know, you're fucking off to the races if you can get that, get that little, just a little kickstart. It's like a little uh, yeah, kindling mean, to the to the bonfire that will eventually become the flames of your uh, something. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what um, all the research literature says that, you know, group therapy reduces isolation. That's the that's the main thing that it does just in terms like, of... Mwah. In terms of... Um, treatment effects or intervention effects 
And, you know, all the people that I talked to when I was counselling parents who went to the parenting education groups, the first thing that they would always say is, it's great to be in a group of people. You realise you're not alone. You're not alone. It's not only me. So that experience that people have is, um, is hugely important. And I think that not just depression, but all of these scenarios are really isolating. And the thing about an app or a book is it doesn't reduce that isolation. Yeah. You're still just by yourself wrestling with this thing without anybody else saying, you see, two weeks ago or a year ago, mm-hmm. I was where you are and it does get better. Mm-hmm. Without saying, I've I've felt that like that, I've been there, um, we're going to get through it together. All of those things that reduce isolation are not present in a lot of these things that we're talking about with, yeah. with the self-improvement movement. Self-improvement movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just have, I wanted to finish with two mic drops that I have. Okay. I mean, I'm calling them mic drops, but that might be overselling them slightly. Okay. So the first one is, I have been actually using a self-help app. Emma, what (laughs) is this? (laughs) I, (laughs) I'm, 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 I've been led astray. (laughs) Well, I never not advertise the specific app, but it is sort of like a productivity and well-being app. And the reason is because I thought I could do with having some better habits and I just wanted some a structure that I could follow because I'm not going to therapy. So I'm not I'm not saying I'm not trying to deal with things in a larger way or, a, you know, I'm not going to therapy at the minute, I should say. That's yeah. my caveat on that. Um, I turned 40. It's time to grow up. You know, I, I wanted to make sure I was having some better habits and I just thought I'll give this a go I think it might have been advertised on a podcast I was listening to or something I was like mm, I'll give it a go see what it see what it's like and what has your experience been my experience has been I have developed some habits like I drink I'm drinking more water nice. I'm drinking water all the time and I drink water as soon as I get up mm. um I'm having a healthy breakfast more often than I was before um I am currently I'm trying to make commitments or motivate myself to do more regular exercise. And, you know, there's been a lot of things have happened in my life, our lives. You know, there's been a lot of stuff which is constantly is an obstacle, you know, so I'm Mm. just up against these obstacles all the time. So I want to be fit. You know, I want to get healthy and then something comes and knocks me sideways again and I'm just on recovery, recovery, recovery. Yeah. And then trying again, something comes and knocks me sideways again. So it, that's been difficult. And, you know, I just felt I needed a framework with which that I could just tick off. So I could I could have written a list in a notebook, but I knew that I would just write the list in a notebook and then put the notebook somewhere and lose <laughs> yeah. it, which I've done with some things recently and it's frustrating. But mm. um so I find it helpful. So that's my mic drop one. Okay. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize I would get the reaction that I've got. I'm quite Deception. pleased with that actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds great. And like none of those things sounds like a bad, that, that sounds really great and like healthy yeah. habit forming. Well, again, it's the privilege of the unburdened, isn't it? I wanted to form healthy habits. I've been to therapy. I went as far as I wanted to go at this stage of my life in therapy. Then I took a pause then the shit literally hit the fan and 
all sorts of things, terrible things happen. Yeah. And I thought, I kept going, <laughs> I should go back to my therapist now and be like, <laughs> guess what? Hey, it was a little bit too quick to leave. <laughs> Remember the way you were kind of thinking, mm, I hope she'll be okay. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> I really wasn't. Um, but Text yeah. your therapist being like, you up? No. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be like, I'd love to send her an email, but it would be like the most dramatic email. So... This happened. Yeah. <laughs> Major life events. Um, so the second mic drop is we are actually listed on Spotify as self-help. Are you? Emma, <laughs> delete this whole episode. I can't cope. <laughs> I didn't know that. So we have, you have tags on all of the, all of the um, podcast providers you have tags right and our tag on Spotify for ages was parenting and I had to like email um you know I don't know Elaine from Spotify we had a number of different email exchanges get so that she could change our tag because I was like so we had we're tagged as parenting and we're not really parenting and it means that we're coming up on the wrong list I don't know you change it for one I have no children so it would be disingenuous (laughs) I don't know why that happened it must have been because Oh. My my PhD was in parental mental illness and oh, I maybe. must have said stuff about that a lot at the start and that, you know, they've just... Algorithms. Uh, algorithms, yeah. So eventually she got it changed and I, I think I had asked for like mental health or something or therapy and, and maybe they only have a certain range of yeah. tags. And so when if you look at our profile on Spotify, it says self-help. So I thought that was quite funny. She's Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, she's I mean, disappointed. I well, I just feel f- I'm egg on my face. <laughs> I feel foolish. The thing is, is that <laughs> I mean, most of this um, advice that we give, if anything that we give, is qualifies it as advice. I would say it's um, try therapy. Have you thought about therapy? That's yeah. our main. That's like, hey, the, it's not so bad. What about therapy? It's expensive, but you can do it. Yeah, that's essentially it. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, if you just want to crop that little bit and repeat it for <laughs> fifty minutes once a week, that's essentially all we're doing. With some wow. interesting anecdotes in between, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so so I think I understand why why we would be categorized as self help because. I think the some of the reasons why people might listen to our podcast might be because they are thinking, you know, I'm interested in mental health, yep. my own psychology, um, improving that. I'm interested in therapy. I'm interested in going to therapy. And therefore they seek to help themselves. Yep, and, big time. And part of that might be engaging in a podcast that discusses psychological issues and therapy and mental health and things like that yeah and more part to them yeah and thanks for thank you for listening to us we love you thank you You're amazing we literally love you should we talk a little bit about what our what our exciting next episode is going to be yes so we have been asked by the lovely people at the northern ireland mental health and arts festival to make an episode for the festival yeah and their theme this year is gather mm-hmm. um and we are preparing an episode on that, which we hope that you're really going to like. Mm-hmm. And also look at their Instagram. They have loads of like quite cool events. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we don't know when that will be out, but it will be soon. Well, I think the festival takes place in May. But even if 
you look at their Instagram and check out their website, there's some content that you can access from last year. You can look at some beautiful artwork, some lovely illustrations. It's yeah, the work just is gorgeous. A lovely kind of uplifting festival, and again, it's raising awareness of important issues. So we are hundred percent behind that, and we're excited to make that episode now that we are back on the podcasting treadmill. No, I don't like treadmill. What Bike. about Bouncy no. Castle? Yeah. That seems more our style. Yeah. I'm not sure what I was trying to say with that anyway. Um, I would like to thank um, Barry. Barry. Thank you, Barry. Who wrote in with today's topic. I hope you appreciate our treatment of it. Yeah. Um, despite our COVID brain, we... And also my COVID voice. I sound yeah. like a goose and I can only apologise. She is doing her goose cough again. I wish I had a mic drop. I didn't know you were going to do mic drops. I, I would have prepared them. Hansi, I always like to do mic drops. Oh no, babes. secrets. That's my whole thing. I'm turning 30 this week. So that's my mic drop. My mic drop. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Hannah. Thank you. Emma turned 40. Happy birthday, Emma. Cheers. Yeah, it was pretty good. I in, I'm enjoying 40 so far. It's only yeah. been um, a number of days, but yeah, it's cracker. It looks good on you. Cheers. Thank you. Um everyone be careful out there because you could get COVID and you could sound like this. Yeah. Um, that is true, actually. you. I mean, you. Well, if you haven't got it, you almost certainly will get it. We just received a phone call in the middle of the podcast <laughs> from my brother, Hannah's uncle, saying that he has COVID. So I think it's all the family's had it pretty much now. Yeah. So stay safe. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Um, thanks, Emma. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, thanks Therapy. therapy. Don't want that. Well, that changes everything. Tell me why I don't like Mondays. Tell me why I don't like Mondays. Tell me why I don't like, I don't like. And the silicon chip inside her head is switched to overload. When I think of self self oh my god, do you know what we didn't realize? Self self help is really difficult to say. It is hard to say. Self help, self help, help help. I just I had to answer it because it was a really weird number. Does it begin with thought, three? I don't know what it began with. France. I don't really weird numbers. France, <laughs> French numbers. The numbers were in French. It was a plus. It wasn't even a number. Plus. Plus. I thought it was English or something, an English number. You, anyway. So you'll just answer your phone to anybody? Answer, you'll answer a phone call? Uh, no, but um, I do answer a phone call if, I mean, I obviously I'm screening it. But yeah. what I was concerned about was that it was a business concern of mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my business concerns. This is why I'll never be wealthy, because I don't answer the phone to any fucker. <laughs> like, it can be like... Dollar signs is calling, and I'll be like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, no, thank I know. you. Yeah, no, I don't want my lottery win. Thank you. No, not if it involves a phone call. You can actually. keep it. Just email me, and I can ignore it. <laughs>